I have the privilege of continuing a conversation that we started last week, uh, a series that we are calling uh, Verified. And uh, we're going to continue to share some of the reasons why we're even calling this series what we're calling. But let me give you a quick glimpse. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with social media, uh, you know... I have friends who have a dream in the social media world of having their account verified, getting this little blue check mark on their account, uh, because they think that will mean that they are really, really famous. But really what the verified account is, is Instagram's way of saying, um, we want to certify that this person is exactly who they say that they are. This isn't a fake account. This isn't a poser account. This is a verified account. You can trust that the owner is who they say they are. And we want heaven to look at us who say we are followers of Jesus Christ this year and put a blue check mark, verified by the way they live, by the things they chase, by the things they prioritize. They are verified followers of the person of Jesus Christ. How do we know that that is true about us? Uh, this series is in many ways serving to answer the question um, about our new year. And the primary question is, what do we believe heaven is inviting us as a church to do a little bit better this year? What do we believe heaven is inviting us as a church? And as a church, that means each and every one of you. What do we believe heaven is inviting us to do a little bit better this year? And the answer to that question for us is very simple, but not necessarily easy. We believe heaven is inviting us to know Jesus a little bit more personally this year. Know Jesus a little more personally this year. And I'm telling you, what we believe is if we can get to the end of this year and look back, and the one thing we can say is we grew to know the person of Jesus a little more personally this year than we did last year, we will be able to say we have said yes to heaven's call. And we believe heaven will smile and our souls will soar. To know Jesus a little bit more personally this year. And not because we think this is a cute idea, not because we think this will be super marketable and, 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 and you know, people will be deeply into this. Um, no, but because we read the words of Jesus and they compel us. John chapter 17, verse 3. We looked um, at this last week. John 17, verse 3. But um, here's what it says. Now, this is eternal life. This is life full and forever, Jesus says, that they know you, the only true God, and me, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life, that they would know me. And the word know, as we talked about last week, when Jesus uses it, is more than just some intellectual understanding of information. The word know means to become personally and experientially acquainted with. 
Now this is eternal life. Not so much that you go to a place called heaven after you die. But that you become personally and experientially acquainted with the person of Jesus Christ. And it just so happens that after you die, all obstacles of sin and sadness and brokenness will be removed. And you'll be able to do that forever and ever and ever. But at the heart of it, eternal life is about knowing Jesus personally. And as a church, we want to figure out what does it look like to answer heaven's invitation to know Jesus a little bit more personally this year, because that's what eternal life is about. And the question we want to ask this week is this one. How much is knowing Jesus personally Worth to you. How much is knowing Jesus personally worth to you? Because listen, listen. If this is not something that we value, this is going to just become another conversation that we look back at and we've evaluated and, and we've made the decisions about but didn't do anything with We have to answer the question, how much is knowing Jesus a little more personally worth to you? Um, One time, Jesus asked someone this very question. And uh, this interaction is one that I can think, I, I think we can learn so much from. If you have a copy of the Bible, we are going to be in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. If you don't own a copy of the Bible, by the way, we would love to get a physical copy into your hands. Our gift to you. Uh, all you need to do is stop by the connection corner after the service and ask for one. Luke chapter 18, the verses will appear on the screen in the meantime, and you can follow along that way. How much is knowing Jesus worth to you? Verse 18, a certain ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So one time, a very rich, powerful, influential young man ambushes Jesus weighed down by arguably the most important question of this life. What do I need to do in this life to make sure I'm secure in the next life? That's his question. Wow. Because Jesus, as you can probably tell, I mean, in this life, I'm set. Don't worry about me. There's nothing I want that I don't have. And if I don't have it, I can afford it. And if I don't want to pay for it, I have enough influence to command it so that it is mine. On this side of the grave, I'm that guy. The problem that's haunting me, though, is what lies for me on the other side of the grave. 
I don't have too many assurances about that. What do I need to do to make sure that I will be okay after I die? Because forever is a long time. Wow. Can we agree this is a pretty monumental question? I mean, can you think of a more significant question to ask on this side of the grave while we still have time? Can you think of a more significant question to get an answer for than this one? Because this little 90-year span, if we are blessed, called life on earth, it's a blip. Eternity has no end. 90 trillion years later, we will barely have scraped the surface of what forever and ever and ever means. This is the question to ask while there is still time. And this guy obviously understands there are two possibilities on the other side of the grave. I'm either going to spend eternity in a place called paradise in the presence of God. Or I'm going to spend forever and ever and ever suffering and separated from the presence of God. And where I spend my eternity is determined in this lifetime. But I don't know how to guarantee that I will spend my eternity in the place called paradise. And so haunted by the question, he ambushes Jesus and he asks. The person he's convinced will have the answer. What do I need to do in this life? To make sure I'm secure in the next. And come on, we have to pause and I have to ask, have you settled that question? Have you asked and settled this question? I can't think of a more important question to settle in this life than where you will spend eternity forever and ever and ever and ever. On the other side of the grave. By the way, this is a question that all of us, whether we think consciously to ask, our souls are going to be screaming for an answer to this question. And if you don't believe me, jump on a flight and experience a little turbulence. And all of a sudden, you will realize the question you need answered the most. Am I okay if... Things go down, so to speak. In your moments of despair and your moments of fear, your soul will remind you, stop stalling. This is a question we must answer and resolve. Where are we going to be forever and ever and ever and ever? Have you resolved this question? Have you asked this question deliberately? You cannot afford to skip this question. And now is the time to ask. Today is the time to ask this question. Because how dumb dumb would we be 
to procrastinate on this one and say, I'll worry about this tomorrow when there is no assurance that tomorrow isn't what trampolines me into eternity. You have no idea if you'll be here tomorrow. There is never a better time to answer this question than right now. And so I'm asking you, have you resolved this question about where you will spend forever and ever and ever and ever on the other side of the grave? Now, make no mistake about it. Jesus clearly understands this guy's question. But almost as though he's just a terrible listener. Um, Jesus seems to completely ignore the point of his question. This is just great Jesus stuff. Good teacher. I'm freaking out, man. What do I need to do to make sure that I'll end up in the place called paradise when I die? Verse number 19. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God Alone. This is so great. Good. Why are you calling me good? Um, I'm sorry, Jesus. That's really what you got from all of that. I love it. Jesus is being brilliant as always. Young man, you know very well. That the word good means morally perfect. You know that. You know the word good means someone who has no flaw, no blemish in their character or in their choices. You know that. You know the word good means perfect. Why are you calling me Perfect. No one is morally perfect except God. (laughs) So, sir, are you A, sucking up to me? Or B, do you actually believe I am God? Brilliant. Brilliant, Jesus. He is not missing the point of the question. Jesus is making a point. And by the way, a point that will be incredibly significant for the rest of their conversation. Do you believe I am God? And then I imagine Jesus just lets that question hang out there for a moment. And then he answers a question that was really haunting this man. All right. I'll tell you what you absolutely must do to make sure you get into the place called paradise forever. Verse 20. Here it is. You know the commandments. He's speaking about the Ten Commandments. Um, You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, and honor 
your father and mother. Jesus says, if he wants to know what you must do to get into paradise, it's simple. As far as the Ten Commandments are concerned, follow them perfectly. Behave perfectly and you're in. Do what the Ten Commandments say and you're in. But you cannot mess up, not even once, not even a little bit. Keep the commandments perfectly and you're in. Now it's really interesting. The Ten Commandments are summarized by this key phrase. Love God with everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love people. And in fact, if you read the Ten Commandments, they're broken into two halves. The first five are speaking about loving God, how we interact with God. And the second five are speaking about loving people, how we interact with people. Jesus skips the first five and he goes straight to the second five that have to do with the way we love people. And if we had more time, we would talk about this. I think Jesus is essentially saying, let's skip the loving God. Let's just talk about loving people. Because if you mess up in how you love people that you can see, we don't even have to worry about how you're interacting with a God you cannot see. So he just starts with a second five. And he goes through them. Never sleep with someone that you're not married to. Ever. Matter of fact, don't even entertain the thought. Hmm. Never take a human life on purpose. Matter of fact, don't even harbor anger towards somebody. Never take what's rightfully yours without permission. Never accuse someone of something they didn't do. Don't throw shade on them like that. And never leave your parents to fend for themselves when they are in need. Do those things perfectly and you're in. And this guy jumped. Woo! Nailed it. Woo, I got it. Look at this, verse number 21. He says, all these things I've kept since I was a boy. I've done all of that perfectly, nailed it. And I can imagine the moments those words come out of his mouth, Jesus' heart breaking on his behalf. In fact, in another account of this very story, it says when he said that, Jesus looked on him and his gut was wrenched. His heart broke for this guy because he was standing so close to eternal life and could not possibly have been further away from it. And please hear me say that to all of us in this room, all of us watching, engaging online. Because I believe Jesus' heart would break for us as well. 
you could not be further from eternal life, from a, a, a place in paradise, if you believe that you can somehow behave your way into heaven. It doesn't matter how many good things you do. If you mess up just once, you're done. And any thought that then I can start to do enough good things and do things for God and somehow make up for the mistake that I make, the only way you make it into heaven by your behavior is to follow every command of God perfectly and never mess up even once. So if you are still believing, I've never messed up and so I can somehow do enough good things and behave well enough to qualify for heaven perfection, the heart of Jesus breaks because you could not be further away from the gates of heaven. If you've ever lied, by the way, I wish we could just play a game. Where we all stand up, and if this applies to you, sit down. Right? And if you've ever lied, sit down. You're out! If you've ever entertained a lustful thought... Aren't you glad we aren't standing? (laughs) Sit down. You're out. If you've ever taken someone's toy without asking them, sit down. You're out. If you've ever scrolled social media on company time and then acted like you worked from, you're out. None of us qualify and neither did this guy. If you are still trying to qualify by doing enough good things, it only takes one mistake, one miss, one mess to break your perfect streak and you are out. Romans chapter 3 verse 10. There is no one righteous. Not even one. There's no one perfect. Not even one. Later on in that chapter, verse 23, for all have messed up, all have sinned, and all have fallen short of the perfect standard of the glory of God. Every single one of us. Which is exactly what Jesus told this guy at the beginning of their conversation. Remember, there is no one perfect except God. Why do you call me perfect? You know there is no one perfect except God. And then moments later, this guy says, I'm perfect. And Jesus' heart breaks. We established this 12 seconds ago. Come on, if you could have worked your way to heaven, I would not have worked my way down here to earth. You cannot be good enough. You cannot do enough good things to make yourself perfect enough for paradise. Jesus is like, that's why I came. I'm the only perfect one who will do everything perfectly. And listen to me. I will cover your imperfection with my perfection if you just ask me. Eternal life is standing right here. Just ask. And the guy's like, I don't need you. I got this. 
I can do this. And Jesus' heart breaks. I wish you would just ask me. This is the gospel. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. That God made him Jesus who had no sin. He never messed up. Not on one occasion. And yet God made him to be sin for us. Those of us who had messed up. So that in Jesus. In Jesus. We might become the perfection of God. Jesus is like I wish you would just ask me. I'll give you my perfection. In exchange for your imperfection. That is the only way you make it in. It is the great trade. Free of charge. And this guy missed it. Trying to behave his way into heaven. And I'm telling you. Sitting in this room watching online. Today is the day y'all. If you've never resolved the question of where you will spend eternity, there is only one way that you can be guaranteed that beyond the grave, your place is in paradise in the presence of God forever. And it's by looking at Jesus and saying, I have messed up and I can't fix it. Would you please help me? Would you please give me your perfection in exchange for my imperfection? And that way, now I've been made perfect. Not by my behavior, but by yours. Not by how much I have done, but how much you did on the cross and in the empty grave. The only hope of your eternity is telling Jesus, I can't do it. I need you. And so I just want to ask, have you made that exchange? And if you have not, come on, today is the day of your salvation. And it is really that simple. While I'm talking to you, you can be whispering to Jesus, I give you my mess and you give me your perfection and that's it. And I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that some of y'all are quietly making that exchange and you are changing your eternal mailing address forever and ever and ever in the name of Jesus. But in his kindness and compassion, it's almost as though Jesus gives this guy, which is crazy to say, an even better offer. (laughs) And come on, man, you know where I'm going. What could be better than a place called paradise? A person named Jesus. Verse number 22. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. This is fascinating to me. Jesus is like, okay, let's go with that. Let's assume you've nailed it. And here's essentially what Jesus is about to say to him. All right, so you've nailed it. You've done everything perfectly. You love God perfectly. And you love people perfectly. Great, prove it. I'll give you one simple test. You still lack one thing, Jesus says, almost sarcastically. Sell everything you have and give to the poor And you will have treasure in heaven. Then, here it is. Come follow me. You say you've loved people perfectly. Then this should be really easy for you. Sell your stuff to help hurting people who are in need. And then follow me. The one you've loved perfectly. Since you said I'm God, right? That's what you said, that I'm God. 
then you should have no problem doing what I say since you obey the commands and coming after me. Since you love me. Let's go. You say you want eternal life. I'm it. Come on. More than a forever place, eternal life is a forever person. And I'm standing in front of you. You say you want eternal life. Here I am. How much am I worth to you? And in one of the saddest scenes in the Bible, this guy stares eternal life in the face. And he says, nope. Not worth that. And he walks away sad. Verse 23. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. I want eternal life. But not as much as I want temporary riches. Yeah, no. I mean, paradise forever or my Porsche right now. This Porsche is stacked though. It's like, mmm. An eternal person in whom there is life and joy forever and ever more or millions and millions of dollars right now. And this guy, knowing he was making the wrong call, which is why he was sad, said, mm, I'm going to go to, I'm, yeah, going with my stuff on this one. And he walks away. And I just want to ask you, how much? Is eternal life worth to you? Let me rephrase. How much is knowing the person of Jesus, which is eternal life, worth to you? Again, we can talk all we want about knowing Jesus, but it will not happen most meaningfully unless he becomes worth more to us than everything else how much is knowing jesus more personally worth to you i mean can we be real in church what would you have done if you were in this guy's situation maybe that's the more pressing question what would you have done Jesus, the person, the embodiment of eternal life, standing in front of you and saying, you can know me and you can experience eternal life in knowing me. Come on. Come and know me. What would you have done? If he said, oh, but it will mean laying down that lifelong dream and desire to be married someday. Come on. 
am I worth that to you? Yeah, but it, it might mean that your kids end up just being ordinary kids. Just kids. They may not get the grades you've longed for. They may not get into the school you hoped for. They may not make the team you hoped for. And they may not get those accolades you hoped for to make you seem like you are really awesome. You may need to slow down on all the running around that you've been doing to make sure that they get established as extraordinary kids. Come on. Is he worth that? You will never get that promotion. This is as high as you go in your career. Come on, come after me. Am I worth that to you? Come after me. But you are going to have to downsize and lower your standard of living. Vacations and restaurants are going to be a little bit of a thing of the past. Come on. Come on. Come know me. I am eternal life. And I'm going to reveal myself to you as you come after me. But I'm going to reveal myself to you in places where smartphones don't work. Come on. Oh, you can make a phone call, but you cannot scroll social media. You cannot use Snapchat. Come on. Am I worth that to you? I'm asking, what would you have done? You come after me, but there will be nothing left in your retirement. Ooh. Oh, and uh, there are no sexual experiences in your future. And the glass of wine you had this morning was your last glass of wine. People drink wine in the morning. Don't judge people. You don't know. Maybe it was communion on the way to church. You don't know. But your nightly glass of wine, that's done. You will never see another football game. Come and know me. Your political party of choice will never see the office again. Come on. Come and know me. Am I worth that to you? I'm just asking, what would you have done? Before we give this guy a hard time, I'm just trying to get a sense from you. Are you nervous that I might name your thing? How much is knowing Jesus worth to you? Because knowing Jesus is eternal life. And if we are honest, we've downgraded him. And if there's anything I would not walk away from to know Jesus a little bit more personally this year, guess what? That is the thing that I believe is eternal life. That's the thing that I believe ultimately gives me life and meaning and significance. And at the end of the day, 
Jesus. He's the one who I need to secure my life after I die and to bless the things I really love. And if you, Jesus, are willing to do those two things, we're good. Secure my eternity and bless my present. Man, if I'm honest, there are multiple things on the list I shared with you that I would say today are worth more to me than knowing the person of Jesus. I'm not going to tell you which ones. It's none of your business. We don't know each other like that. So if Jesus stood in front of me and asked me, do I think I would walk away from him to have those things? No, I'm not saying that. Let me correct myself. I am not going to answer that question. Um, I'm just going to live hoping he never asks me to. That way I can spend the rest of my life trying to do both. So when I even sit in a church service like this and I have to think about la 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 la, he wouldn't ask me to do that. La 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 la. I can have both. La 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 la. Be honest. La la la. I want to be able to do both. Thank you very much. The problem is life is always going to be asking me, and I'm always choosing. Always. Heaven is inviting us to know Jesus a little more personally this year, no matter what it costs us. And listen, if we're honest, it freaks us out. And so we're prone to walk away like this guy. But again, we walk away a little more smoothly. La, 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 la. I don't have to answer that question. And I'm telling you, if you don't want to answer that question, you are answering the question. Because this feels like too much. And I love the hope Jesus gives us as this story wraps. And we're going to wrap it pretty quickly here. Number verse uh, 24. Jesus looked at him and he said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. How hard it is for the rich to experience eternal life. Verse 25. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God, to experience eternal life. Verse 26. Those who heard this, they asked, uh, who then can be saved? Who then can experience eternal life? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said to him, hey, but we've left all that we had to follow you. Verse 29, truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal." Life. I used to read this story and it would wrap with this air of sadness. But the Holy Spirit opened to my eye, opened my eyes to what I believe is a glorious path that heaven lays out, inviting us to come and know the person of 
Jesus Christ. And here's where it starts. Here are a few things. The first thing I saw in here was admission. I think it starts with admission. I love what Jesus says. It is glorious. Like, how did I miss it? I don't know. It starts with admission. Do you know how hard it is for those of us who have things we value and love to let go of those things and place Jesus and knowing him above them? Do you know how hard it is to place Jesus above the other passions in your life? I'll tell you how hard. It's impossible. That's what Jesus said. It's impossible. Have you ever tried to squeeze a camel through a keyhole? It's super hard. And Jesus says, it's easier to do that than to convince yourself Jesus is worth more to me than everything else. It's impossible. The beauty of the invitation here is Jesus is making the statement, it is really hard. And what we attempted to do, so no, I can do it, Jesus, just give me time. That's not what he's asking us to do. I'm telling you it's hard. Just admit it. Just start by admitting it. Stop faking or acting like it's an easy thing to do. Admit it's near impossible. Jesus, I don't think I can do that. This guy wanted to flex and told Jesus, I've done that. Check, check, check. I'm going to verify myself. And Jesus is saying to us as a church, can you just admit it? And for some of us, that's the invitation. To, to just admit and acknowledge the fact that there are things in my life that I love more than I love Jesus. And they're worth more to me than Jesus is. Admit it. The second thing here is, is re- repentance. This is where we agree with Jesus. There are things I value more than I value knowing you. And something is wrong with my heart. This is not okay. I wish I could just change it, but it's impossible. That's not going to happen because I tried harder. But I also want to acknowledge this is not okay. And I want to move in a different direction. I want to move in the direction of treasuring you above everything else. And moving towards knowing you more. Personally. I don't want to feel justified like this guy did in some regard. And I just wonder if you know that nothing in your life should be more valuable than Jesus. And if you're willing to repent of that. And the third thing I see here is a request. I love what Jesus says in verse 27. Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. That's good. This guy walked away before the best part. Jesus would have told him, I knew it was impossible with you the whole time. Church, I know it's impossible with you. I know you are always going to be prone to treasure things and put things above me. Admit it and acknowledge that it's wrong and then ask me. Because what's impossible with you, I can squeeze a camel through a keyhole easy. 
I can change your heart and cause you to start to value things that you don't naturally value. But instead of grinding and working and pretending like you can, admit it and then ask me to do the impossible in you. Come on, church. I acknowledge there are things I love more than Jesus. That's wrong. Jesus, change my heart because what's impossible with me, you can do. And so I'm begging you to do just that. I'm inviting you to pray this prayer every day at least once this week. Jesus, change my heart to value you above everything else. And then lastly, practice. Team, you can come on. We're going to sing a song um, as we wrap. But practice. Peter says, well, we laid stuff down that we love to come after you. And I'm asking, what do you need to lay down to know Jesus a little bit better? Because here's the thing. I'm telling you right now. For any of you who are open to responding to what the Spirit of God is doing in you, today... He is going to give you strength to do what you need to do. He is going to give you strength today. Enough strength today to be able to lay something down that you have treasured above him. It will come out of nowhere. And all of a sudden you find yourself, I've never been willing to skip a football game. And yet I have the strength to do it today. I'm going to lay a football game down and say to Jesus, would you please change my heart and help me to love you more than I love this game. And some of you are going to find like, I, 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 don't, I, 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 can't, I don't know how to live without my nightly glass of wine. But tonight, I'm going to lay it aside. And my family will say, what is wrong with you? I'm trying to make room and he's given me enough grace and enough strength to, to lay it down as practice for placing Jesus above all of those things. For some of you, it's going to be no scroll Wednesday. I'm going to leave social media alone for one day this week. And I can't believe that I'm doing it. I've got the shakes. I'm not going to lie. But Jesus, would you fill this place with a delight in you? What might it look like for you to practice laying aside for a moment? My phone is not coming into my bed. I am going to say, hello, Jesus, and would you help me to love you more than I love anything else before I pick up my phone in the morning? That's my commitment this week. I don't know what it's going to be like for you, but I believe the Spirit of God will give each of us a unique strength to lay something down this week and ask Jesus, would you become the most valuable one in my life? I love how this story ends. Peter's like, we left stuff. And you know what Jesus says? I love it. Uh, No one who's left anything unprioritized coming after me to know me isn't going to find what they left multiplied in this life and even more so on the other side. You know that fear the devil lies to you about? But you know if you make things less than Jesus, he's going to take them away and he's going to give you less. And Jesus is like, the devil is a liar. Come after me and your joy will be multiplied. The meaning of your life will be richer and eternity will be fuller if you come after 
me. I wonder what he's speaking to you. And as we sing this song, I'd invite you to respond to whatever the Spirit is speaking to you. And for some of you, you've been laboring to try and get right with Jesus. You've been talking about going back to church to get right with Jesus. It is really about you telling him, I need you to make me perfect because I've messed up. And maybe for some of you, that's what the Spirit is doing. For some of you, it's admitting, I love things more than I love Jesus. And I've never actually admitted that to you. And for some of you, it's just, where do you want me to start? Laying things down, laying things aside with the strength you give me. Whatever it is, please respond to him. Don't just walk out of here. Because once we walk out of here, social media will start. The phone will do whatever it's doing. And we'll miss some of the moments that he's inviting us into. What's Revelation requiring of you right now?